Welcome to Funny Stories to Tell in the Dark, a podcast sharing good stories during less than good times. I'm Julie Sinsulo. Next week is Thanksgiving in the U.S., and I originally recorded a different, punchier intro to this show. It was about how Thanksgiving is such a creepy celebration of colonialism, made worse by the fact that it kicked off a whole season of spending too much time with your family. And while the part about colonialism is still true, it felt weird to make jokes about too much time with your family because the day after I recorded it, I found out that my grandfather had passed away. Not from COVID or anything, but COVID did mean that I couldn't go see him during the last few months of his life. And COVID also means that I can't travel home to be with my family or to participate in any funeral, if there even is a funeral. And COVID will mean that it is unlikely that I will get to see any of my family for the holidays this year. My grandfather was an influential person in our family for many reasons, but one way that he really influenced me was politically. He was a very liberal, card-carrying member of the Democratic Party. And I would always look forward to emails from him of articles by journalists he liked or comics about how evil Republicans are. During the uprising this summer in Minneapolis, my grandfather called me often to make sure I was okay and also to tell me to be wary of white supremacist agitators. And he would also tell me that he hoped Donald Trump would die soon. It makes me very angry that my grandfather did not get to outlive Donald Trump, but I am happy that he got to see Trump lose the election and that he got to be one of the 78 million people who voted for Joe Biden. It's going to be a very strange holiday season without him and without seeing any of my family. And while I tend to get overwhelmed by the holiday season, uh, not being able to see my family is making me really sad. But I am really excited to share today's episode because it features a lovely story about family coming together under, let's just say, unusual circumstances. And I hope it is a nice distraction from whatever feelings you are feeling about the holidays and family and gathering this year. Yeah, yeah we were rolling. It's from comedian and improviser MJ Marsh. Here we go. Sometimes at the beginning of recordings, I prompt storytellers by asking simple questions to get them started. Lay it on me. I asked MJ where this story started, and he replied, at birth. So I was the baby of my family, and I had four older sisters growing up. One of my sisters was a half-sister from my mom, and the other three were step. My mom had married, had my sister, divorced, met my father, got pregnant with me, split up with him, met my stepdad. My stepdad had married, had two daughters, divorced, married, had a daughter, divorced, met my mom. Bringing the grand total to five siblings, all growing up in MJ's household. So we were kind of like the Brady Bunch from hell. There were definitely things being raised by, you know, basically all women that I, I didn't realize were different. I never really played Madden growing up, 
but I did play Mall Madness. And I also would get really excited whenever clothes I had have pockets. One of the things I, I honestly did legitimately believe for a while was that I was going to get my period. And because all of my older siblings had already gotten theirs. And I remember being in around third grade or so, and I definitely wanted to stay home from school. So I used a trick that I thought my sisters had been using. And my mom was like, what's wrong? Get in the car, we gotta go to school. I was like, oh, I can't. My stomach hurts, I have cramps. I think I'm getting my period. And I remember my mom getting on my level on her knee put her hand on my shoulder and she looked at me and she just said, get in the car. And the way that she said it still like resonates in my bones. Of course, there were some disadvantages to growing up with four sisters. One time I turned the channel from MTV Cribs to Nickelodeon and now I can never wear corduroy. My sister said something so mean to me that I will never be able to try or even attempt to wear anything corduroy. It also means that every time I go swimming for the next eight years, I'm going to wear a t-shirt. And I have friends who are like, no, man, older brothers are worse. Older brothers are like way worse than older sisters. And I, I don't know. Boys will break your bones because they are dumb. And women will um, hurt your feelings because they're smart. I'm an older sister, and I mostly agree with MJ about this. But I did once dislocate my little brother's arm during a fight. And there was one Christmas where I suggested we do all silver and gold ornaments on our tree. And my six-year-old brother turned to me and said, Jesus, Julie, you are so tacky. And I still think about that whenever I try and decorate my house. So, I don't know. Siblings can break you. Period. Growing up, I had these four older sisters, you know, from different parents, all a big mix. And my mother, who, who raised me with more than enough love and more than enough attention, and I couldn't be more thankful for, for that and having her in my life. MJ's life was quite different than most of the other kids he went to school with. But it was the life he knew, and it worked for him. That being said, I had never met my father. I had never even seen a picture of him. He had just decided that he did not want to be a part of this situation. And as a kid, that was hard for me to understand, of course. But as I got older, I became more of a uh, adult. I know this is audio, but I'm using air quotes, an adult. I got curious. I was turning 30, and it just felt like time. MJ got his dad's address and wrote him a letter. I had drafted it for literally like maybe 20 years. It's been on a to-do list of mine, you know, forever. It's just something like Google Notes, pull it up and it's just like, you know, contact accountant, uh, make sure this is, you know, secure and then, you know, reach out to biological father. And so one day I decided like, I could just do this today. In that letter, I explained who I was and that I had no ill will or bad intentions. I'm just curious. And if he's curious too, maybe we should meet up. The one thing I did specify was like, please say something. You can say no, but then I know it's a no. And that will save us the future of me still reaching out. MJ typed this all out because he didn't want his biological father's first impression of him to be his messy handwriting. He printed the letter, and he sent it. And then, 
He waited. But not for very long. Two days after MJ sent the letter, he was at a comedy show at the Brave New Workshop in Minneapolis. I was like outside during intermission and I was just having a cigarette, like chilling, like phone. I look at it. It's my, it's my biological father's name. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? After 30 years of nothing, it was like, what? Technology has a way of making the most significant moments in our lives feel underwhelming. Imagine going your whole life having no contact with your biological father, only to have that changed by an innocuous little buzz in your pocket. So he agreed to meet me in Minneapolis. MJ suggested they meet at a bar near his house in Uptown, a neighborhood in Minneapolis. The bar was called New Bohemia, and it was very successful at two things. The first was that it sold a fair variety of hot dogs. And the second was that, other than the hot dogs, it was incredibly unremarkable. It looks like someone had a, a box that said bar on it, and they opened it up and they put it up, and it's like, yeah, all right, it works. MJ specifically picked New Bohemia because it was not the type of place where locals hung out. Because I wanted a place I could go that I'd never been before and that I didn't know anyone that worked at. MJ is a bartender himself, and he also performs comedy and improv regularly in Minneapolis. This means that he is very recognizable. He once went on a date at the VFW in Uptown, a very popular night spot, and so many people stopped to talk to him that his date asked if he was running for mayor. So finding a bar where no one knows your name was no small feat for MJ. New Bohemia fit the bill. Because I didn't want the situation to happen. We're like, hey man, what's up? Is this your dad? And then I'd have to do the whole like, biologically, yes. Um, I'm not quite sure what we call each other. Finally, the day arrived when MJ was going to meet his father for the first time. I go there. I'm meeting him. It's very nerve-wracking. Yet I have this sense of calm, like, this is okay. This is what I wanted to do. And this is going to be either the closing of a chapter or the opening of a new one. Either way, this has to happen. So I prep myself. He opened the door to the bar. And I walk into New Bohemia. And at the bar, there are only two people. One is an older gentleman, and the other one is a guy who looks about to be my age. So the older gentleman looks at me and says, uh, well, it's got to be me, right? <laughs> like, broke, broke the tension with a joke. I'm like, all right, this is going to be fine. So we sit down. We start talking. And it's, it's weird. It's, it's great. It's familiar, but completely not. I just want to hit pause on this poignant and captivating story to remind you that there's one other character in this scene, besides MJ and his biological father. The bartender is also there. And unlike MJ and his biological father, the bartender is not having a life-changing afternoon. In fact, he is in the middle of an incredibly boring lunchtime shift at an incredibly unremarkable bar. He tried to make conversation with his patrons. And he's like, what are you guys up to today? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And I didn't want to be like meeting my biological father. So I was like, oh, we're just getting some hot dogs. Anyway. You really got a feel for the poor bartender. The two customers at the bar aren't providing much entertainment. So he decides to see what's on TV. 
he goes, hey, do you guys mind if I turn the sound on uh, for the TV? And both of us look at him kind of incredulous, like, yeah, man, you can do whatever you want. I'm meeting my father for the first time. You can put the sound on, you could light up a firework, that don't matter. She puts the sound on, uh, he's watching TNT. The movie Avatar is just ending and a new movie is beginning. The next movie up on TNT is Pirates of the Caribbean 2. I remember as the, the opening credits started playing for the movie, I realized this is the one where Orlando Bloom meets his father and confronts him. And I'm starting to freak out because the sound is on. MJ is trying to stay engaged in this conversation with his dad, who he is speaking to for the first time in his life. But at the same time, he's terrified that his dad is going to notice the movie. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way he knows this. There's no way he's like, oh, man, this is the one where Orlando Bloom meets his dad. How awkward. But then again, I am his son, so maybe he is familiar with the pirate saga the way I am. I don't know. And at some point, you just hear Orlando Bloom, like, during a break in our conversation, just be like, why did you leave mom and me? And he's like, oh, I didn't leave. I didn't have a choice. I'm like, so is being retired good? Do you like being retired? Is that fun? I'm just like, God, please change the channel. And the bartender does it. He changes the channel. I didn't ask him to. I just was willing it so hard. The bartender changes the channel to TBS. And guess what's playing on TBS in May? Think for a moment about a movie that is so inescapable and so ingrained in our culture. A movie you've probably seen at least 10 times even though you've never consciously chosen to watch it. You got it? It's the movie Elf. The entire conceit of this movie is Will Ferrell leaving the North Pole, going to New York to meet his father for the first time. And I start to just freak out. And so does the bartender, because he's so excited because he loves this movie and he can't believe it's playing right now, so he puts it on every... TV. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color for this now? Hello. So there's six TVs surrounding us playing the audio of Elf and we're chatting away. And whether he knows or not about this movie either, it doesn't matter because there's a straight up moment in the movie where we have a lull in conversation and Will Ferrell is like, because you're my dad and I love you, dad. I'm here with my dad and we never met. And guess what? I love you! I love you! I love you! And I'm like, oh my dear God, can we please, can we please just leave this bar? But at that moment, sitting in the new Bohemia, talking to his father for the first time, surrounded by television screens playing Elf in May, something shifted. At that moment, I realized how ridiculous it was that my whole focus and attention was being spent on these TVs around me. And I had to just start laughing. And then his dad started to laugh too. I don't know if he really caught the awkwardness or felt it, or maybe he just laughed because the whole situation was strange. I gave in to it. Instead of feeling so awkward and embarrassed, I was like, well, this is exactly what's happening. And in fact, like, maybe it's just a good sign. <laughs> like, this is the moment it's supposed to be happening. A lot of the funniest moments in life, often, maybe even always, happen in conjunction with things that are painful or uncomfortable. Because pain reminds us what a joke it is to think your life will ever go as planned. 
We spend a lot of time trying to prepare for how we think our lives are supposed to go. Imagining what you'll do when you finally get a promotion, or fall in love, or accept an award, or meet a parent for the first time. But in reality, life is so much more absurd than we can ever anticipate. The universe clearly has jokes, and I am the punchline of it at this moment. And I realize that there, there's, there's a much better story there. Because the height of the drama and the, 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 and the emotionality of it was, was there. It was present. It was real. It was raw. I still think back on it. And it was a beautiful memory I'll have for the rest of my life. But it's coupled now, too, with the, the, just the inane circumstance that it arose in. I joined both Orlando Bloom and Will Ferrell that day in meeting their father. At the end of the movie Elf... James Kahn, who plays the absent biological father of Buddy the Elf, played by Will Ferrell, finally accepts Buddy as his son. This happens right after the lack of Christmas cheer he has exhibited the rest of the movie has caused Santa's sleigh to crash. But when James Kahn has his big change of heart, all of a sudden he, and like all of New York City, start singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This gives Santa Sleigh enough magical Christmas power to fly off into the night, and Christmas is saved. I started telling you this thinking I would arrive at a point. A comparison between MJ and Buddy the Elf. Amusing about how beautiful family is, even when it's unusual. <sighs> but I didn't. I think Elf was a really bad movie. I think what happened next for MJ is much more interesting. And we said goodbye. We had a lovely hug. And we've stayed lightly in touch ever since then. The greatest part about it is I found out that I have a younger half-sister. So now I have five sisters. And since then, one of my other sisters has married their lovely wife. So I have six sisters. And what it turns out is my younger half-sister not only... Does she end up living five blocks away from me here in Minneapolis? But they may very well marry their partner. And if they do, I will have seven sisters. It just keeps going up. Thank you for listening to Funny Stories to Tell in the Dark. You can tell me a funny story by going to Instagram.com and typing in at funny stories in the dark and then hitting that little envelope button and sending me a message saying, hi, I have a funny story. I don't know why I'm trying to explain how social media works to you guys. You get it. You're cool. Until next time. Thanks for listening.